Hi, I'm Brett Nelson, and I'm an organizational development and sales coach with a servant heart. And I'm Sue Steinfeld, a certified leadership success coach that takes a holistic approach to being your best. And welcome to My Pivotal Moments podcast, where we are excited to share stories and experiences about those pivotal moments we all have had in our lives, whether it was a moment that caused you to pivot professionally or personally that took you down a completely different path than planned. These pivotal moments are what keep life exciting, challenging, and amazing. So today, Christina Schunemann joins us, and she has 25 years experience leading companies through transformational change, enabling rapid growth. And she's worked for an array of industries, including high tech, high education, higher education, consumer goods, financial institutions, and retail. So thank you and welcome, Christina. Thank you. Why transformational change? This was when I when I look back at it, and actually in preparation for this conversation, I realize it is probably the single biggest pivot of my career. Mm-hmm. It's, ex- it's exactly this point, and it really started. Uh, it, it took a couple of years to actually come to fruition mm-hmm. um, because it was like an awakening for me. It took me really some time to realize that that was a direction that I both could go in and really should go in. Mm -hmm. And it started when I was working in the United Kingdom. I worked um, first for a company called Alfred Dunhill as a general manager for the UK and France, and then later for Smyson of Bond Street um, as a global head of retail. And the thing that is similar about both of those experiences is that they're both companies that are well over 100 years old with incredible reputations to a very niche group of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, They both had royal warrants. They both had, you know, they just were very much part of the fabric. And when I joined um, both companies, they both had just either been acquired or had an enormous amount of investment put into them, them because they knew that they had to fundamentally change in order to remain relevant. Mm-hmm. They were becoming more and less and less relevant because they had become so niche. They were so rarefied. And that group of people were either dying off or were they just had so many more options. Mm-hmm. So I was brought in to run, basically run the retail business. But I had two key additional requirements as part of my job. And one was enormous growth and an entire brand pivot Mm -hmm. in every single aspect of the word. So, and my, my PNL responsibilities for the business were really double digit growth. There was like huge expectation around just the core business itself. Mm -hmm. And there was an expectation that I would be leading these other elements too. So Christine, if we were back up a little bit on that, in terms of that the, were you hired in a general management role? That was it. Was it a marketing role, or like what was it? Because that other duties as assigned seems to be like almost its own job to itself. So exactly. what what were you walking into? Like I knew I had experience in general management, or like what was it that kind of got you to that point where hey, they're going to turn the key the keys of the store over to you completely? Yeah, great question. I was hired in as a general manager, 
I was hired in because I had come from Gap Europe. Prior yep. to that, I'd opened the German market. I had done the Euro tra- uh, currency transformation. So I I had the it, I had the retail operations Got and it. sales experience plus the leadership experience that they were looking for for their existing existing portfolio. And yes, there were these two other ads, and only in <laughs> hindsight do I not talk about lessons learned. <laughs> only in hindsight do I did I did I think I should really have looked at the fine print because they were two jobs in and of themselves. Oh, oh sure. And did you know that going in, or did you say I'm walking in this? I got this nailed. I think you know this is it's, it's a bigger job, but bigger kind of. But uh, did you know this, or was this discovered later? It was discovered later. Oh yeah, right on. It was discovered later. Yeah, it was one of those things where, it, like, when I first started at Dunhill, uh, you know, again, there's this, there was this, and I believe that there still is in the luxury sector a bit of uh, uh, the superiority. It's like, well, you're coming mm-hmm. from Gap, sort of over there. We sure. need your, we need your best practices and your structure and your expertise, but you're not really from, from, you know, you're not of us. And I get there and I start producing results straight away. And they're like, wow, you're doing so great. We've got a couple of other things we want to put on your plate. And I was young, I was in my twenties. So I was like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Which happens when you're performing, right? You end up getting more work put upon you because you deliver results. And so I know when we talked, you mentioned when you stepped into change and transformation as your focus with that pivot, talk a little bit about that realization of how you would love to hire somebody in to do that and then realizing, oh, that could be you. Yes, that's right. So um, it, it it started, it happened first with Dunhill, but it happened more regularly when I was at, at Smithson where I'd come home on a Friday night or sometimes really even a Saturday if I had been traveling overseas completely. I used to see myself sitting on the sofa, almost like a paper cutout. I felt so unbelievably drained Mm -hmm. from having to focus on all of this work and feeling responsible for and executing on such a, such a broad scope of activities. And I would sit there and I began thinking, I wonder if, what would happen if there was somebody that had a similar experience to me that I could bring in just to help me with the change? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there could be a lot of people listening going, of course there is, there's consultants, but I didn't know that. Sure. And not only did I not know that, but it was definitely not offered to me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And up to this point, I'd only kind of heard about consultants in quite a peripheral perspective. And similar to the brands that I was working for, they were from the top schools. The air was very rarefied. You had to be hired straight out of Oxford because I was in the UK or Harvard. Yes, right. It was quite a like only special people are consultants and only special people get to work with consultants. Sure. And so I just thought, what would happen if I could have somebody working with me on this work so that we could divide up the responsibilities to do a better job, honestly, that Mm -hmm. could help me to, I knew how to run a business, but I'd never done change before. Sure. And then, uh, Sue, to your point, then I thought, what what would happen if I could be that person? Mm -hmm. I love it. I become that person. 
Well, no, of course not, because I was in my career. I hadn't graduated from Oxford. Um, it took me to move back to the U.S. That real opportunity to reimagine who I could be for me to actually have the space to explore whether I could become a transformational change consultant or not. Okay, so we're missing some pieces here. Okay. <laughs> we have we have paper doll on the couch, yeah. recognizing and saying that there's a need there. So it, it, was it just saying like you woke up one day and some kind of like a you know a Christmas Carol kind of woke up and say you know everyone's ha- happy, wonderful. I'm going to change my life in a day, or did that? Because you, you, I'm sure you just didn't say, guys, I'm done. I see you later. I'm going to move back to the states and I'm going to be a transformational coach. What? Talk to us a little bit about what did you do first and second, and maybe a couple steps through that process to become that. Because I think your knowledge, what I'm guessing, the knowledge in retail and how to run a shop was in, it was in critical because now you have context, but you didn't have maybe the background in change management or background in kind of the, the development part of that. So talk us through how did you get there? Sure. Okay. So I... Got did you married. go to? Did you get you? Okay, you got married. Did you go I to a class? To yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll just do. I got married. I moved back to the U.S. All of the job offer opportunities that were coming my way were all for roles in the Middle East or in Europe. Hmm. I just returned to the U.S. I thought, hmm, a friend of mine was interviewing with a company that sounded amazing, a consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And I called them for an informational interview. On the Wednesday, I had an interview and I started work with them on the Monday in retail, supporting a major transformational change. Mm. So Brett, to sort of answer your question, basically they said, we are consultants but we don't know retail. We don't know retail. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. You are a retailer. Let's work together. Ah. We will teach you. We will teach you. Oh, sorry. I should say you're a retailer that has actually led major transformation. Has done this. Yeah. I should yeah. really say you've already done it a number of times over. And I mentioned these two companies with these huge kind of rebranding and all of this transformation. But the Euro was like the Euro currency was a massive, massive Mm -hmm. transformational change activity moving from one currency to the next across, you know, all these geographies and the gap did it on one day versus doing a trickle approach. I had also opened the German market. So they said, you have already done it. You may not be aware of it, but you've already done it. Let us work with you to build a framework for that so that you understand how change, like how all of the experiences fit together into a change process. And we need your retail and we need it right now. What do you think? Wow. So there's a couple of things in there about this pivot. One is timing. Mm-hmm. One was situational, right? You got married, you moved to the US. And the timing aspect is you had this informational interview and you happened to have the experience they needed for a big project that was on the horizon. Yeah. What else do you think led to the success of stepping into um, a change and transformation expert? I think it it comes from a couple of different places. One is it comes kind of my North Star, my belief okay. system around okay. it, around around our 
time at work. Mm-hmm. Even as a brand, as a really, really young manager, I was very sensitive to wanting to create environments where people could thrive, mainly because I wanted to be in an environment where I also could thrive, or not mainly because, but in addition to, I wanted to be in environments where I wanted to thrive. So understanding the role of the human being in the workplace was something that from very, very, very early on, I paid attention to, but I also did a lot of self-study around. Okay. So that's one thing. The second thing is, is that I had had these opportunities to either be directly involved in or lead change and had seen where they had not worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I could see where the wheels came straight off the bus. And I, um, uh, I, I do a lot of self-study. I always mm-hmm. have, I really am, have like, I'm insatiably curious. And so I, Uh, even in these change processes, I would be reading a little bit about change, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not only from a structural perspective, but from a motivational perspective. And it was, so, so I brought that, I brought those two elements into the role. And then of course, the last, the third thing is, is that I had seen, like, I get that change is a constant, like that is just, I understand that. So how can we, how can we do it in a way that is, that provides the people at that organization the opportunity to have it be the dawn of a better day. Sure. Versus well, not. Wow, there's a lot there. So let's let's unpack a little bit about the the reading and the the self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, some folks that go into change and transformation, they they went through the big four, you know, they came out of the big shops that had that experience and they were given the models. It sounds like you were just doing some discovery of yourself. What what were you reading? Like, what are some of those go to resources that helped you make that into that? So you felt like I'm much more confident. In addition to being mentored and coached by that company, what were some of the the, the key readings, books that you go back to, or pe- books that you were or re- references you'd refer to someone else? Mm-hmm. So I would say that the first um, and this this is I'm going to start kind of with motivation and then go into sure sure works is um, I I was really fortunate when I was at the gap to go through Kenneth Blanchard's situational leadership. Love Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And, and they, the gap invested a lot of money in developing their leaders. And I was a new manager. I was running Germany. I I mean, at the time there was just a single store, but, um, and I, I really, uh, it really resonated with me, Mm -hmm. this notion that we all are, whenever we go, whenever we start a task, we go through a learning curve Mm -hmm. and each of those curves that was very, and that remains a fundamental framework that I keep in mind whenever I or anybody that I'm working with is is starting a task or a series of tasks. I use it in my descriptions, like, you know, all of our horses in a new job start on the same starting line, but then Mm -hmm. some run Mm -hmm. ahead, some are not. And kind of, and, but also what that emotional experience is and how to layer over leadership on top of that. Okay. Love that. Love that. Mm -hmm. I'm also a really, I'm a big student of kind of four, four key, key people. Okay. One is, um, uh, I really, um, I really like Ed Sheen's work. 
I mean, he really is the father. Of, he's he's touted as the father of organizational behavior. Mm-hmm. And I actually recently in an engagement at Cisco got a chance to work directly with him and his son. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's incredible. But to hear, to, to think about an organization as truly an organism, Mm-hmm. As, the, mm-hmm. as really a complete picture and understanding how those pieces fit together and then equally how leadership and how management like the, so I I he's one of those people and mm-hmm. it really it really fed and fed my thinking around kind of the uh, the whole organizational structure knowing that is important when you want to change it I think knowing and having an understanding for how those components fit together is really helpful mm-hmm. because when you start to pull pins out of the wheel, you need to know that and then know how to kind of, you know, prepare for and mitigate that. Um, I'm also a huge um, fan of the the Cotter model. Cotter. Okay. And, yeah. We had talked about that. And the, the reason being is that, um, I think you'll start to see a pattern emerging where I I, I do a lot of study around kind of at the organizational level mm-hmm. because I think again it's really important to understand how organizations fit together and how they mm-hmm. work again mm-hmm. because when you go to change them when you go to change them then I think you can be more planful and ultimately more successful mm-hmm. so that the pieces don't fall apart you know, you can keep it and you can reshift it. And then um, I, I'm also, um, I am model adverse mm-hmm. and I purposely, purposely stay away from models like, and I apologize to any Adcar or Prozai people because, well, firstly, Ad, Adcar and Prozai tend to focus more on the individual experience of change. And it mm-hmm. has a whole bunch of, um, but also I, I purposely try not to become too reliant on one path because nothing is linear about change. Mm-hmm. I love that. Linear. I love that. And I'm, I'm a very similar approach to that. I just don't feel like, uh, as my old mentor would say, rarely is there a new idea. <laughs> it's just a new packet, <laughs> new packaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so getting smart. I love that. It's like, as you, as you are doing your discovery and said, I can do this because I like this, this stuff, this concepts resonate with me. I can do this. And you kept getting smarter and smarter along the place because you never stopped learning. Cause it sometimes would say, I'm going to latch onto a model or latch onto something and then be like, that's it. That's the gospel. That's no, amazing. no. Like I'm going to continue to develop my skills and my exposure to other stuff. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Wow. There's so much richness and information here. What is one or two takeaways for our listeners when either approaching change or just dealing with change? I um, So here I'm blending um, both Simon Sinek Mm-hmm. And actually, Cotter, I'm blending them together. In fact, Ed Shane, why not throw him in there too? <laughs> I I think that whether you're a consultant, a contractor, a leader that's about to embark and change, what whether you're the the part time person that works every two weeks, it doesn't matter. You have got to understand the why. Mm-hmm. I really do. And if you are the person that is initiating the change, then be clear on the why yourself. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. so important to really understand that. And if when you ask, when you scratch the surface, it's 
because we want to save money, don't settle for that as an answer because there's nothing motivational about that for everybody but the head of finance. I mean, they're just, or you're, or maybe the same, but there's got to be a re there's got to be a reason for it. And so take the time. It's like, go, go slow to go fast, truly mm -hmm. understand why the change is happening. And then what is it really intended to do? What is it intended to do? And when those components are in place, there's a gazillion models and structures that you can pull together in order to help to make it happen. And I would say, so understand your why. And the last thing I would say is stand firmly on both of your two feet and be confident when you say, and I cannot tell you when it's going to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Or be know that there are gating, like there's going to be phases of it. But if anyone says, I want you to lead this change and I want you to have it done in six months, you can say, I can get you to here in six months, but I cannot guarantee you that mm -hmm. your future state that you have envisaged or your why will that the that we'll have landed the plane on that. Can it you just takes it, it takes time. Can you just maybe give us a quick bottom line of why? Why can you not have a deadline for that change or that impact? I think uh well, because people change at different paces. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. I think the second thing is is that often the process of change is um well, what I see a lot is people think that you can short circuit. You mm -hmm. can kind of short circuit the process of change by cutting out some of those core and kind of fundamental steps, like doing a change impact analysis, truly understanding the current to future state mapping, like some of those things. You can just kind of cut that out and make it happen. And when that happens, it's like an onion. You start peeling off the layers and more and more and more and more things reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. So there are things you can absolutely deliver to a timeline. There's, there is, that is for sure. But this change against your why. Yeah is ho hopefully big and fundamental that there's there's really good aspects of that you can be measuring it as it goes but if you for example want your whole team to stop using the blue button but you want them to use the red and green buttons going forward you're going to be able to get x amount of the team switched over to that mm -hmm. but you, but people learn at different paces right. and yeah. it, takes, it takes time wow fantastic thank you so much Brett, what's your takeaway from today? So I love the idea that you just did it because it made sense. Like it's the mm. takeaway of saying, I was in this job. I recognized the function. I kind of said yes to whatever was going to come through. I got smart about it. And I, I think there's a lot of value there. And for, for people to say, you know, be willing to give it a go, even if you're not the expert yet and become a student to do that. Like really do that discovery and go through that. Love that. Too. Thank you. And for me... My takeaway is the famous quote that change is the only constant in life. So knowing that and embracing it can lead you to have those pivotal moments. I love it. Awesome. All right. Thank you for joining us. We enjoy hearing others' pivotal moments and we'd love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out to us on our respective websites or on LinkedIn. We appreciate your support by rating and sharing our podcast with others. Remember, any moment can be pivotal if you keep your mind open to possibilities. Enjoy the journey.